Okay, ladies, welcome back. Please find a seat. I think for a group of women, the fact that we're only five minutes late collectively is very well done. So we are doing well. Um, I hope you enjoyed your jewelry time. For the ladies who did it in the A group, thank you. I got half of one done and it almost broke. So for people like me, there's opportunity in the afternoon to keep working on it during our free time and lunch if you need it. Um, but now, oh, one more announcement I wanted to mention. If anyone needs an elevator to get up to the fellowship room, please find me. I have a key. I don't know how to work the elevator, but we can do that together. <laughs> we will get to know one another. And you will find out you don't want to hang out with me anymore. So, But right now, I would like to welcome our next speaker, Cecilia Rigsby from Grace Bible Church. We're excited to have you. Cecilia made her earrings and finished before anybody else and is now wearing them. That's not in the bio, but that's wonderful. Okay, let's hear a little bit about Cecilia. Cecilia is a devoted woman of God, a wife to Michael Rigsby Sr., a mother, daughter, sister, friend, trainer, speaker, teacher, author, prayer warrior, and most importantly, a child of the King. She has worked in education for over 25 years, ranging from preschool settings to high school, and is currently an administrative assistant in the Riverview Garden School District. Cecilia has earned several awards and degrees in education, and due to her passion for working with children and families, she is the chief executive officer of her own family's consulting, training, coaching, and mentoring business. And you can find out more about that in her bio in your folder. Cecilia is a member of Grace Bible Church. She loves working in ministry and is very passionate about ministering to and mentoring women of color and others on how to build a relationship with God and not limit themselves. She is also the author of the number one nationally best-selling book, Hashtag MomBoss. Isn't that so cool? That is so cool. Where she tells her story of being a momager, instead of manager, a momager to her daughter, Michelle. She is also the visionary author of a book on prayer called Prayer Focus. Cecilia loves to read, write, sell jewelry, you fooled me, Cecilia. You make jewelry. Okay, I feel better about myself. Um, sorry, I lost, I'm really upset about this. Okay, sell jewelry, spend time with family and friends, go to church and serve others. Her mission in life is to be the best servant that she can be for the building of the kingdom of God. Let's welcome Cecilia. I'm excited to be here with you all. I do not take it lightly. Um, but before I jump into our uh, lesson today, I want to show off my earrings. <laughs> and I purposely made them to match my outfit, you know. So to our sisters that are uh, back there teach teaching us how to make jewelry, I have two pair because I have one in my purse and I had to help my mom with her, with her pair. But I am uh, truly excited to be here. Everybody have been so inviting and warm. Um, I, I, I usually bring my mom with me, 
Um, and she think I bring her because she, she supports me, and she does. But I bring her for backup, just in case somebody might not like me. However, <laughs> however, everybody has been uh, so nice. Uh, and, it, and it is good to be back in, in fellowship with the sisters. Uh, we've been in the pandemic uh, at our church as well, so it's kind of good to have our mask off and just to be in fellowship. So let's just jump into Rooted in Love. And our sister Carl did a great job uh, this morning with that morning teaching. Um, my angle is a little different. However, as uh, Sister Carol was teaching, all I envisioned was when you see a football player on the field and he's like this, he's grounded, he's rooted, he's focused, and he's grounded, you know, ready to, you know, uh, protect the football guy or whatnot. And as Carol was teaching, <laughs> that's all I saw was just women grounded and, and rooted and focused, you know, so. I'm not, I'm not the best sports person in the world. However, that's the vision that I got as our sister uh, was teaching today. But our focus scripture this morning is a very familiar focus. It's coming from John 3 and 6, 16 from the um, King James Version. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those are one of our scriptures we're going to focus on this morning. But point number one I wanted to bring to our mind, and because of uh, time's sake, we won't have time to, like, answer the questions. I wanted to get more engaged, but you, you can write it down in your notes. Amen? But our first, first point of discussion is who does God love? Who does God love? And one of the supporting scriptures is coming from Psalms 85, 86, I'm sorry, Psalms 86 and 5, and it reads, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. And the pullout here in that scripture for me was to all who call on him. We know that everyone won't call on God. We see that in this world today, that everyone will not call on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So who does, who do God love? To all who call on him. So I would encourage anyone that didn't, have not called on him or have not made him their Lord and Savior to do that today. We have some wonderful churches represented here today. You got some sisters in the Lord here that will come alongside of you and, and minister to you, with you, and carry you in some things. Uh, we have uh, some mothers here as well that will come alongside uh, younger sisters and minister to them as well. So if you don't know the Lord today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you'll have an opportunity today to do so. I would encourage you not to walk out these doors without accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Our next scripture is coming from Romans 5 and 8, and it says, But who God shows his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. But God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Think about that. While we were caught in sin, Christ died for us. Whatever sin you were in, whether it was adultery or, or fornication or uh, being on drugs or drinking or, you know, whatever sin you was in, God died for you and me while we were in, the, in our sin. That's who he loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, only begotten son so we can call on him and be saved. Amen. 2 Peter 3 and 9, it says, God desires that no one perishes. But a question to think about is, will some perish? Yes. God desires that no one perishes, but some will perish. Who will perish? Those who don't call on Jesus. Those who don't believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Those who don't know that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, some will perish. We know in the Bible that the Bible tells us that hell has enlarged itself. Do God desire for anyone to perish? No. But will some perish? Yes. So it's up to us as women of God, as sisters of uh, of God to go out and take this gospel into the world, into a dying world. Sometimes it's just right in our family where we have to minister to those that are in our family and share with them the love of God uh, uh, so, so we can see them again. Uh, one, my, uh, one of my brother-in-laws just passed away, and the question that always comes to me is, oh my God, I hope he gave his life to Christ. And when we went to the services, we found out that he did give his life to Christ. And that was so refreshing to know that the last three years of his life that he spent in worship to God, in worship to God. So um, we have a task and we have an assignment to do. We choose our faith. Remember, we have free will. We choose if we'll perish. It's not God's desire for anyone uh, to go to hell, but according to Matthew 7, verses 22 through 23, some will go. So we have a lot of work to do. No time to be mean to each other, no time to be ugly to each other, no time to talk about each other, no time to backbite. We got work to do. When we look at the news, we know that the, it's, things are going wrong. Things are going wrong. Another supporting scripture is coming from Matthew 7, 22 through 23. And it said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Will some perish? Yes. Do God desire for them to perish? No, because why? Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so we all could have eternal life. But we have a choice and we have to choose. It's a tricky thing. Free will is a tricky thing. God will not force himself on us. He will not make us into robots. He wants us to come to him freely. Amen. Who does God love? All who call on him. Point number two. How do we know God loves us? 
How do you know God loves you? How do I know God loves me? We can think about that for a minute. But our supporting scripture is 1 John 3 and 1, and it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. We are his children. We are his beloved daughters. And, and one of my favorite identifications is we are royalty. We are royalty. We are queens. We are princesses. We are royalty. Ephesians 1 verse 4, it says, For he chose us and him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. In love, he predestined us for adoption as, long as his sons through Christ Jesus, according to the good pleasure of his will, to be the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the beloved one. We have to go back to our focus scripture again, which is John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. To all who call on him, to all who choose him. Uh, one of my favorite thoughts is why would God die for you and me and take his love from us. He died for us while we were sinners, while we were ratchet, while we were doing whatever it is that we were doing, while we were uh, just living a crazy, rambunctious life. But he knew what he was doing when he died for us, when God sent Jesus Christ on the cross to die for us. Why would he die for us to change his mind? And I remember um, when, when the devil was just really bothering me and, and just dealing with me and trying to beat up on me. Uh, and it wasn't outside of the church, it was right inside of the body of Christ. And uh, I was just going through and, and the devil was telling me I wasn't worth nothing, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. And the Lord in his audible voice told me, and I don't hear from him often audibly, and he said to me, he said, no one can change my mind about you. No one can change my mind about you. Not the Pope, not a pastor, not an elder, not a first lady. No one can change my mind about you. Why would I die for you to leave you? Why would he die for us to leave us? Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, it says, tell us that God, it tells us that God creates those that he I'm sorry, it tells us that God corrects those that he loves. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. As a father, uh, the son, he delights in. So how do we know God loves us? How do you know God loves you? If he disciplines you, if he corrects you, you know, he don't leave us the way that we are. He can't, couldn't leave us uh, drinking. He couldn't leave us cussing. He couldn't leave us uh, uh, doing drugs. He couldn't leave us uh, doing fornication and adultery. He couldn't leave us that way. So he had to correct us and clean us up because he wants to use us for his glory. And he can't use us if we're dirty and filthy. Yes, sanctification is a process, but he expects us to grow as we go. Grow as we go. Come out of that. 
Come out of that. Don't do that no more. Leave that relationship alone. Leave this alone. How do we know he loves us when he corrects us? He's not always mad at us. He just got to get us together. You know, think about our own parents. When our own parents are telling us, you know, do your homework, clean your room, get a job, be on time to the job, be responsible, be loyal. They're telling us those things because they want us to succeed in life, in life. And you can't go around, you know, I tell my kids all the time, brush your teeth. You cannot go around with dragon breath, you know, because people gonna talk about you, you know. So, and it's just because we love them, it's just because our parents love us that they correct us. And that's what God does. He loves those and he corrects those that he loves, amen? Psalms 30 and five, it says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. So he, he disciplines us. He does. He corrects us, but he's not mad. He's not mad. It's so we can do better. So as, as uh, our sister Carl was saying, so we can produce more fruit. We have to be able to produce more fruit. And if we're in a, a nasty state, we won't be able to do that. Hebrews 12, 4 and 11, coming from the message version, it says, In this, all out match against sin. Others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through. Again, to say nothing of what Jesus went through. All that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you and me as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. Our question again, how do you know God loves you? If he's correcting you, you're growing. We're not doing the same things that we used to do. Our hearts are not the same. Our hearts are more sensitive toward those that are living in sin. Instead of us judging them and criticizing them, we're seeing it from God's point of view that they're lost. And we have to intercede on their behalf. We have to pray for those that are living a homosexual lifestyle. We have to pray for them. We have to still love on them. We have to pray for those that are in prison because of something that they did do, maybe robbery or something like that. We have to pray for them and love on them and, and send them scriptures and put money on their books and do whatever we can so they can get the gospel of Jesus Christ and so they can embrace his love. God is educating us. That's why we must never drop out. He's treating us as dear children. This trouble you and I find ourselves in, it is in punishment because sometimes we do find ourselves in, in trouble. <laughs> it is in punishment. A lot of times it's training. He's training us. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live 
While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline is much, isn't much fun. Discipline is not fun. When we're corrected by God, when we're corrected by our parents, or even corrected by a sister in Christ or a good friend, it's not fun when somebody tells us that we're in error. But it's necessary so we can grow and so we're not continuing to repeat the same mistakes, so we're not continuing to offend people, so we're not continuing to say nasty things or even think nasty things. Later, of course, it pays off big time, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. How do we know God loves us? Because he disciplines us. He trains us. He grows us. And sometimes we have to tell our young mentees, we have to remind them that the job wasn't jealous or mean to you. You got fired because you was late. <laughs> I wasn't home to wake you up. You, you, they fired you, you know? It's called correction. It's called accountability, okay? Even those bad grades that we got or bad grades that, that our children get, you know, and we get put on punishment or children get put on punishment. We're not mad at you. We need you to grow up. We need you to, to buckle down and prepare for the real world. Training causes us to have to put in the work. We have to put in work. Just think about exercising. Have to take a few days out of the week to exercise. I don't like it, but I know I have to do it. I need to walk, I need to ride my bike, I need to drink water, I have to eat my fruits, I have to eat my vegetables. It's training, discipline, discipline. We have to discipline ourselves. You know, it may not be fun, but in the end, it is worth it. It's worth it. You can breathe better. You, you can walk better. You <laughs> talk better, you know. So, <laughs> point number three, how do we walk in love? How do we walk in love? One of our scriptures here is coming from John 13 and 34, it says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, another even as I loved you, that so that you also love one another. Now let's keep it real. As the kids say, let's keep it 100. That's what my kids say, let's, mama keep it 100. <laughs> this is not an easy pill to swallow. It's not, for some of us, for some of us. You know, it's not easy to swallow. It's sometimes, sometimes we can be hard to love, <laughs> you know. And as our sister Carol was saying today, we, st we still have to love. We still have to forgive. And I find myself, if I find it hard for me to love somebody or like somebody, I ask God to help me. It's not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. Prime example, the greatest, uh, the greatest forgiveness that I've ever witnessed in my life uh, outside of Christ forgiving me for my sins was when uh, my mom forgive, forgave the murderer who killed my brother. You know, I, I was blown away by that act because I wasn't ready to forgive him, but yet my mother forgave him. 
you know, and told him, hey, I'm sorry for you. And this was a, um, a young man, he was a friend of our family, had dinner with us, and when we went to the court, I'm hoping throw him under the jail, get him, you know, but um, the judge allowed my mom to come up front, and she said, you know what, I forgive you, I'm sorry for you, and I'm sorry for John. That was the greatest act of love outside of Christ that I had ever witnessed. And I said, when I grow up, <laughs> not that mature yet. However, um, we have to walk in love, we have to walk in forgiveness, and it, ha it, it, it can only come from him. And when we find ourselves not being able to do so, we can go to him and ask him. We can be transparent. That's what I love about God. We can be real with him. We don't have to play any games. I don't have to change who I am. I don't have to, you know, he, he, he loves me. He created me. He didn't make a mistake when he made me and you. He didn't make a mistake when he made you tall or short. He didn't make a mistake when he made you black or white. He didn't make a mistake when he made you thin or a little full figure, such as myself. <laughs> But he loves us and we can be transparent and authentic because he died for us while we were yet sinners. And I take that as I was a hot mess. I wasn't all together. I was a hot mess. And he knew it. And he knew it. Amen? How do we walk in love? How do we walk in love? I love the story of the prodigal son. And you can find that story in Luke 15, uh, verses 11 through 32. Beautiful story of a father embracing his son. Beautiful story of a father just letting his son just go out and learn. You know, the, the, the son requested to get his inheritance, which was a rude thing to do. Dad was not dead yet. He wanted his inheritance. The, the father gave him what he asked for and let him go out. And he had to learn he had to learn. He had to go out and learn. Dad didn't keep him in. No, I'm going to tuck him in and keep him close. No, he let him go. But when he saw him come back, he embraced him. God is married to the backslider. I'm happy to hear that because sometimes I mess up. I mess up. Dad didn't tell the son to kiss his segment ring, to shine his shoes. You got to come clean the church. You got to apologize before the church. You got to go to your mama and tell your mom. No, he embraced him. He embraced him. He saw him from a long ways out. Now, here's the key to that, too. I, I always talk to the Lord when I'm reading these scriptures. A key to that is he knew his son was repentant. He knew his son was repentant. He knew his son was sorrowful. He knew his son had learned a lesson, so he welcomed him back into the fold. Come on in. And that's what God does for us. Come on in. We may not like what somebody else has done, murder, myself included, but God embraces them. And if the young man that killed my brother repented, he's going to heaven, whether I like it or not because that's just what God loves does. He died for my sins as well as everybody else's, as well as my enemy's sins. That's what his love does. It washes, it cleans, it forgives. Imagine if your son or your daughter returned home free from drugs, alcohol addiction, and you can clearly see the change in them. Woo! Talk about a praise party. 
when you've been praying for your son who is in jail, or you've been praying for your daughter who's living this promiscuous life, and then you could just see the change over them. Not we badgering them and beating them over the head, and you did this and you did that. No. But embracing them. We're happy you're home. We're happy you're back in the church. We're happy you're with us. Imagine, talk about a praise party. Another demonstration of love and action I found in the book of Ruth. Oh, what love. And in light of Mother's Day, I had to pull out something. <laughs> we could talk about some of our sisters. But if you uh, look in Ruth, one, uh, chapter 116, I want to read that verse to you. It says, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you and turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. I love that. I love it. You all remember that movie War Room? Anybody see that? Beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, I felt like Ruth and Naomi's story was kind of a picture of this movie where Miss Clara, she was the mentor and she was menteeing, uh, uh, she was mentoring uh, Liz, Liz. And um, she was helping her in her marriage. She was helping, giving her some tips on how to repair her marriage, giving her tips on how to get it healed, how to get it restored. You know, um, just like with the help of Naomi and Ruth, it landed, Ruth, a handsome, rich husband. <laughs> handsome and rich. Okay? And, and, and just imagine uh, if we continued that same course. Older women taking younger women under their wing, showing them how to love their husbands, teaching them how to love their husbands, teaching them how to raise their children in a godly way instead of talking about them and talking about what they're wearing. That's what they do. They, they show they bra. They, they, they show their cleavage. That's what they do. That's what some of us did until God cleaned us up and matured us and, and, and taught us more about modesty. And that's not how I created you. But imagine if we had more Ruth and Naomi stories. Imagine if we had more war room stories where we're just mentoring young women. Church would be full. Instead of us talking about them. And sometimes that's what we do. And sometimes, you know, it's warranted. Cover yourself. I mean, I tell the young ladies in my family, you, you're doing too much. <laughs> Cover all it up, you know. But I have that type of relationship with them. And we kind of know who we can you know, um, chest ties and those that we have to warn under love, but we have to do it in wisdom. Have to do it in wisdom. We need more stories like Ruth and Naomi. Oh, what love. And then our, our daughters, if we start mentoring and coaching them better, they won't be the ones that's leading the home, leading the family to church going to work while Billy Bob stay in the bed, you know. Really? Boaz took care of the family. Ruth didn't. 
Imagine if we came alongside of young people and taught them in love. Man, it's our third point. How do we walk in love? How do we walk in love? So as we close, as we close, as we end this lesson, I want to review our three points of discussion, because I know sometimes I get a little lost. <laughs> but I want you to have some points, some takeaways. <laughs> Point number one, who does God love? All who call on him. It's, it's his desire that no one perishes, but we have free will to believe in him or to not believe in him. Point number two, how do we know God loves us? How do you know God loves you? Once we believe in our hearts, we became daughters of God. The moment we believed, whether you were at home, by yourself, whether you was at the church and you walked down the aisle, once you believed, once you believed, you became his daughter. Not to mention that he sent his only begotten son to die for our sins because he loves us so much. Point number three, how do we walk in love? By showing love to each other like we did today. Such a beautiful environment. My mom and I have been talking about it all day, just such a beautiful environment. Beautiful, beautiful women of God, just everybody so nice. And it don't feel fake and phony. You know, you know sometimes, <laughs> how are you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> you be like, okay, pull some of that back. <laughs> how do we walk in love? By showing each other love. My command is this, to love each other as Christ has loved us. Jesus is our example. He forgave what we would consider the most horrible sins. He forgave the prostitute Rahab. He forgave the woman caught in the act of adultery. He forgave the woman that had five wives. And he forgave you and me. Oh, what love. Romans 8 and 1, it says, Therefore, there, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if the devil is trying to condemn you, get, put that word on him. Put that word on him. I know who I am. Sorry. Not today, Charlie. <laughs> Not today. I want to conclude by reading um, some notes that I got from a friend. You know how we all send those encouraging texts or emails or whatnot. A friend of mine sent me this and... Uh, I just want to leave it with you, and it reads, Every woman who has walked with God has a story to tell. Sarah will tell you nothing is too difficult for God. Hagar will tell you even in the desert, God is there. Rahab will tell you God can use anyone. Hannah will tell you my God answers prayers. Esther will tell you God is able to transform an unworthy into a noble. Elizabeth will tell you even if 
the age is advanced, you will give birth to a great man. Mary will tell you, it will be done to you according to the word of God. The woman with the issue of blood will tell you, when all else failed, God never fails. Mary and Martha will tell you, dead things can come back to life. Darkest will tell you, God never forgets what we do for others. And Ruth will tell you, it's not over until God says it's over. So dear sisters, it's a pleasure walking with God and being rooted in his love. Will the real women of God please stand up and proclaim no matter what I did or no matter what you did or no matter what you do, you are rooted in his love. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miss Cecilia, for teaching us and sharing your heart. We are now going to head to lunch uh, back in the gym. So make your way there. We'll pray together and we'll eat. And then after that, we'll be some more free time and Group B can work on some jewelry. The plan is to meet back in here at 2 o'clock for our last session. Are you ready? This has been really good so far. Amen. All right, we'll see you. See you then.